Hello, and welcome to the Journeys Podcast, sponsored by the Journey Church in New York City. If you find this podcast helpful, we invite you to check out the Journey in person any Sunday at the Manhattan Center's Grand Ballroom in Midtown on West 34th Street between 8th and 9th Avenues. Visit our website at nyjourney.com for details. Today, Pastors Carrick Thomas and Chris Brady continue our roommates' bad dates and great mate series with Temptation, the fruit looks so fresh and delicious. I'm glad that you've chosen to be with us today as we continue our series, Roommates, Bad Dates, and Great Mates. Go ahead and pull out your message notes. We've had a lot of fun in this series so far. We kicked it off several weeks ago by looking at what the Bible has to say about sex. And then two weeks ago, we talked about marriage. And then last week, we talked about dating. And throughout the series, we've said that God created sex and He wants us to enjoy it. But He created sex to be best experienced between one man and one woman within the context of a lifelong committed marriage. And today we're talking about temptation. We're talking about overcoming the things in our life that tempt us to step outside of God's will and plan for our life in this area of sex. Now, I recently read about a study they did about the best tasting ice cream. They did a blind taste test. They brought some people together and they got all kinds of vanilla ice cream. They got gourmet ice cream, homemade ice cream, brand name ice cream, and even the uh, price saver cheapo ice creams. And they did this taste test to find out what factor made ice cream taste better. And this is what they determined. The number one determining factor in the taste of ice cream and what made people like it. It wasn't the the price of it. It it didn't matter if it was gourmet or brand name. And it wasn't if it was homemade or not. The number one determining factor was the percentage of fat in the ice cream. In other words, the more lard that was in the ice cream, the more people seemed to like it. Now, Isn't that one of the cruel ironies of life? Isn't that true? Like the things that seem to be the most tempting, the things that seem to be the most desirable are often the things that in the long run are the worst for us. For instance, why can't fried chicken, which happens to be my favorite food, be as good for you as like an apple? You know, I've never heard a doctor say uh, a fried chicken leg a day will keep the doctor away. And the reason they say that is because if you had fried chicken every morning for breakfast, it would probably keep the doctor nearby because your cholesterol would shoot up. I don't know, but I, I guess I have to settle for apples. But see, this is the thing about temptation and about giving into temptation. It tastes good initially and it feels good for a moment. But later, when we see that we've been tricked and when we realize what we've given up, when we give into that temptation, we regret it. When we give into temptation, we always regret it because in the long run, we always give up something greater for instant gratification right now. And so today we're talking about sexual temptation. And it's something that every one of us faces on a daily basis. Now, I've uh, discovered that if someone tells you that they do not struggle with sexual temptation, that this person is either lying to you or they're dead. They're one or the other. You're not, you're not alive and not tempted by sex. So given the right circumstances, anyone can fall to sexual temptation. Look at our first verse. And so our memory verse for the day, and we'll actually have scripture memory cards at the back of the service. This is a great verse for you to take with you, pick up one of those cards and to memorize. Let's read this one out loud together. This is what it says. If you think you are standing strong, be careful, for you too may fall into the same sin. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. See, there are two truths here in this opening verse that we need to pay attention to. 
to. Number one, we all face the same temptations. Everyone here struggles with the same thing. It's not just you. We all face those temptations. And number two, all of us, no matter who we are, no matter how strong we think we are, given the right circumstances, are susceptible to falling to sexual temptation in our life. For some of us, it's the temptation to have sex before we get married. Maybe it's in a dating relationship. Maybe it's a one-night stand. For some of us, it's the temptation to have an affair and to cheat on a spouse. Maybe the marriage isn't going so well. Or maybe just someone exciting just came into your life. For some of us, it's the temptation to have a sexual fantasy life that usually involves an addiction to pornography, especially internet pornography, and that's tied into masturbation. And all of these temptations, all of these temptations to step outside of God's will will cause us harm. And giving in to sexual temptation puts three very important areas of our life at risk. Three big and important areas of our life are at risk every time we give in to sexual temptation. And those three areas are our future, you know, our dreams, what we hope to happen in the future, we put that at risk. Our family, our relationships, our marriage, we put that at risk. And then our faith, our relationship with God. When we step outside of His will, that comes between us and God. And so we put our, we put our, our faith, our future, and our family at risk when we give in to temptation. So here's the question we're asking today. How do I overcome the sexual temptation that I face every day? How can I get victory in this area so I can experience God's best in my life? Well, to get some insight on temptation today, we're going to look at the very first story of temptation from the Bible. We're going to look at, at the third chapter of the Bible. We're going to look at the first man and the first woman facing the very first temptation, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. And it starts off like this. God created Adam and Eve and put them in a perfect environment, in the Garden of Eden. And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. There was, there was no sin. There was no pain. There was no shame, no regret, no envy, no greed. It was a perfect environment. They had a perfect relationship with God. Adam and Eve talked with God all the time. They had a perfect relationship with each other. They talked with each other all the time. They didn't fight. They didn't get mad at each other. Perfect relationship, a lot like my marriage. You know, Lori and I, we never fight. And if you believe that, you'll believe anything. And then it also says they had a perfect relationship with nature. They had a perfect relationship with the Garden of Eden. In other words, they didn't have to toil for their food. The, the, the garden provided everything they needed. There was only one stipulation. God told them that they could eat out of any, from any tree in the entire Garden of Eden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that one tree. And he gave them this warning. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. Now, the first question that, that people often ask is, well, why in the world would God put this tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden? Why would he even he put that there? Because that they, they could make the wrong decisions and they could get into trouble. Well, that's a, that's a big question. It's a question for another message and we don't have time to go into all of it today. But the short answer is this. If God didn't give human beings the opportunity to choose right from wrong, to choose good from evil, to choose to follow God or to choose not to follow God, we never would have been free. If we never had any choices or decisions to make, we never would have really chosen to love God and have a relationship with God. So God had to give us that freedom. But as our story begins today, the forbidden, the forbidden tree is there. And Adam and Eve are free to do anything that they want in the Garden of Eden except... Eat of, the tr- eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this, of course, is where temptation enters the picture. So for the rest of our time today, Pastor Chris and I are going to look at 
three steps to overcome sexual temptation. And these are three steps that Adam and Eve should have taken in, in their circumstances in the Garden of Eden. Here's step number one. Number one, choose godly influencers. Write that down. Choose godly influencers. You see, we get to choose, for the most part in our life, we get to choose the influencers that come into our life. And this is what I mean. We, we get to choose the people who speak into our lives. We get to choose who, who guides us in life, who speaks into our life. And we also get to choose the images and the sounds that come into our mind and that, that we receive from the outside. Unfortunately, many of us just let influences enter our life without any question or any resistance. We give up the initiative on this issue. And when we don't intentionally filter the influencers that come into our lives and things that come into our lives, we set ourselves up for a big fall. That's what Adam and, Adam and Eve learned the hard way in the Garden of Eden. As our story begins, I want you to pay attention to who Eve is hanging out with in the garden. Is she hanging out with God? No. Is she hanging out with her husband, Adam? No, she's hanging out with the serpent who here represents Satan. Look at what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. This is now the serpent was the shrewdest of all creatures the Lord God had made. Eve is hanging out with Satan on a lovely afternoon in the Garden of Eden. And that's who she's with. Now, I hate to tell you this, but if you want to overcome temptation, Satan is probably not the best person to be chumming around with in, in your life. After all, Satan's nickname is the tempter. And in fact, later on in the Bible, the, the Bible says that Satan tries to tempt Jesus in much the same way as he tries to tempt Adam and Eve in our story. So here's Eve's first problem, and it's a big one. She has someone in her life who is pressuring her to sin. Someone who is asking her to step outside of God's will for her life and to sin. And, and she's got someone whispering in her ear saying, Oh, you know, it's okay if you do this. There, there won't be any consequences. No one is going to know about it. No one really believes God or believes the Bible anymore anyway. So go ahead and do it. There won't be any consequences. That's what she's dealing with. And the first question that we have to ask when we face temptation in our life is, Who is whispering in your ear? Who are the people in your life who are the main influencers? Are you hanging out with Christian friends who care about you and are always trying to pull you and draw you to be closer to God? Are you hanging out with people who are whispering in your ear to step outside of God's will, who are pulling you away from God? 1 Corinthians 15.32 says this. It says, some say, and who, who are these some that are speaking into your life? These are the influencers that speak into your life. It says, some say, let's feast and get drunk, for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. You see, bad influencers in your life will always lead you away from God. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we have growth groups here at The Journey. That's why you always hear us talking about why it's important to be in a growth group. We don't just make it up. We want you to be in a growth group because you need people in your life, influencers in your life, who are pulling you to obey God, who are pulling you closer to God, not people who are pushing you away from God. That's why we encourage you, if you're not in a group, get into a group so you can meet people who will draw you closer in your walk with God. Another big question to ask yourself especially when we're looking at sexual temptation, is this. Who are you dating? Who are you going out with? Now, we spent a whole message last week on this, and if you missed it, you can pick up the CD in the, in the back or listen to it on journeyipod.com. So I won't spend a lot of time on it, but you have to ask yourself, who am I going out with? Because if you're dating someone 
who is constantly pushing you and pressuring you to be involved sexually, someone who's constantly asking you to step outside of God's plan, God's will for your life, you're dating someone that you shouldn't be dating. You need to get out of that relationship because in a dating relationship, you need to be with someone who's constantly pulling you into God's will, who's pulling you to obey God and is not forcing you to step away from God. But I want you to notice in our story, Satan is not the only bad influencer that's, that's there with Adam and Eve in the garden. Our next verse in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 says this, and this is after uh, the serpent has talked to her and tried to convince her to, to, to disobey God. This is what it says. The woman was convinced the fruit looked so fresh and delicious and it would make her so wise, so she ate some of the fruit. Now, here's what catches my attention in this verse. I want you to underline this, where it says the fruit looked so fresh and delicious. Underline that part. To Eve, the fruit looked so fresh, it looked so delicious. And here's my question. What in the world was she doing standing so near to the fruit? What was she doing standing so near and admiring how fresh and delicious it looked? You know, God had told Adam and Eve that that was the only thing that they couldn't eat. And if they ate it, they would surely die. You would think that they would have put a big rope around that tree and made sure they never went anywhere near it so they wouldn't be tempted. But here is Eve. She's right up next to the fruit. She's looking at it and she's actually lusting for the fruit. Now, this is important. Because many of the influencers in our life, they aren't people. They're the images and thoughts that we let come into our mind. And these images, these thoughts, these sounds are so important because ultimately what you allow into your mind, what you allow to come in through your ears and through your eyes, it will in, you will internalize it and it will eventually come out in your actions. Whatever you let to come into your mind will eventually come out in the way that you live and what you do. Proverbs 4.23 says it this way, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. You see, that is the problem with pornography. A lot of people think pornography is safe. It's harmless, right? Number one, nobody's going to know about it. It's, It's just something that I do. No one else knows about it. And it doesn't hurt anybody. It's not hurting me. It's not hurting anybody else. And so we think that it's safe. We think that it's harmless. The problem is it does hurt somebody. It hurts you and it will eventually hurt the people around you. Because you see, if you let pornography into your mind, you will become addicted to it. In fact, some studies show that pornography is as addictive in some cases as crack cocaine. And you will become addicted to viewing it and ultimately to the, to the masturbation that's connected to it as well. And when you become addicted to it, it's going to distort your view of the opposite gender, uh, of what a future spouse should be. And it's also going to distort your view about what sex is about and what sex is like. It will cripple, and studies show this, it will cripple your ability to carry on a healthy relationship, a healthy dating relationship and a healthy marriage. And if you never stop letting those images come into your mind, they will eventually destroy your life. Because what starts as just a little bit of pornography will inevitably lead to acting out sexually in ways that threaten your future, that threaten your family, and that threaten your faith. They threaten, it threatens your entire life. Listen, if you're struggling with pornography right now, number one, you need to know you're not alone. There are hundreds of people in this church that struggle with it. I guarantee you, there are hundreds of people who are struggling with it. And if you're struggling with it, and you know that it's not right, and you know that it hurts you, don't play around with it anymore. You need to walk away with, from it. You need to get it out of your life. And some, for some of us, it's, we're not strong enough by ourselves to, to do it by ourselves. We need help. This week and this week at the journey, 
We'll put a couple of resources in there. We'll put some articles on pornography, but we'll also put uh, an online resource. It's an accountability software program that you can download for free into your computer. And if there's someone you trust, you can have an accountability partner that, that is able to hold you accountable for what you view on the internet. But some, sometimes it's too hard to break even in that. And if, you, if you're serious about wanting to step away from this and, and, it, and you're not able just to stop, and some of us can just stop, and we know we should stop and we should just stop now. But for some of us, we're addicted to it. We're caught in the middle of it. If you need help, email us. Write it on your connection card. Nobody's going to see it except our pastors. And you're not alone. And we'll find a way to get you help that you need to get away from this because it will destroy your life. You see, a lot of times as Christians, we'll go to church. We'll be in a growth group. We'll read the Bible every day. We'll pray, but we'll still allow ungodly influencers into our lives. Then we'll wonder why we're struggling with sin. We'll, we'll, we'll ask God, God, you know, why don't you help me overcome this? And that's sort of like someone who wants to be really healthy. They take their health seriously. So they, they exercise religiously and they, they're on a, a, a great diet. But every night when they go home, they get a syringe full of deadly poison and inject it straight into their bloodstream. And they're sick and they wonder why they're sick. They wonder why the exercise and, and the diet doesn't help them. Let me tell you folks, this isn't rocket science. If you want to get better, what do you have to do? You have to remove the poison before the exercise and before the diet does any good. And this is what we do. So many of us are standing right next to the temptation. Here's the temptation. And we're standing there just like even the Garden of Eden thinking, oh, this is, it looks so fresh and delicious. And I, I know I shouldn't, but we're staying, we keep it right in our face all the time. And then we've got influencers in our life. They're speaking o- over our shoulders saying, go ahead. You can do it just once. No one will know. There are no consequences. No one believes the Bible anyway. Go ahead and grab it. And when we do that, we're going to fall every time. You see, God wants to help us overcome temptation, but he can't help us overcome temptation until we take the step to remove those bad influencers from our life and instead bring in people and bring in habits into our life that will build us up. So to overcome temptation, I must first choose my influencers. And the next step is choose to trust God. I must choose to trust God. Listen, it never starts out as a choice between the right or the wrong choice. It always starts out as a choice of who to believe, who to trust. Let's pick up our story of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. It's uh, verse 3 to 5. It's Eve speaking. She says, it's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. Let's look at what happened here. God said you may freely eat of all this fruit from all these trees except this one tree or you will surely die. The serpent says, God's lying. You're not going to die. He just doesn't want you to become like him. Now you see, Adam and Eve have a choice immediately. They have a choice whether to believe God, to trust God who has given them everything, including their very lives, or to trust the serpent, the usurper of the truth who has taken God's truth and distorted it. They have a choice to trust God with all the freedom that they have given, that he has given them. I mean, there's probably hundreds of different trees with delicious fruit on it. They have to decide whether to trust that freedom or to trust the serpent when he ignores that freedom and points out the one thing that God says they cannot have. They have a choice whether to trust God when says, you will surely die if you eat of this fruit, or to trust the serpent and says, you won't die. God is lying. You see, Adam and Eve had a choice about who to believe, who to trust. We also have a choice of whether to trust God or something else. Now listen to me for a second. You see, at the heart of every temptation 
is the question, God, can you be trusted? And every time that we give into that temptation, what we are saying is, no, God, you cannot be trusted. Now, the thing is, what we see or feel or hear, it often sounds or feels pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, if it's never about a, a choice between something drastic, between an awful option and a good option, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. For instance, imagine if someone said to you, I think you should have sex with that woman because your wife will find out, it will destroy your marriage, it will destroy your family, plus you'll get a sexually transmitted disease. Okay. I mean, no, temptation doesn't work that way. It's more like this. That woman is so hot and she is so into you. It would be so much fun to spend one night with her. I mean, look, no one knows you around here. No one's going to find out. It's a one-time thing. Why don't you live a little and go for it? I mean, that sounds more realistic and appealing, doesn't it? But the results are the same, no matter how it's said. You see, the devil will entice you with half-truths, with distortions. He knows that an outrageous lie will never work. He knows the complete truth will never work. So he works the middle ground. He is the great manipulator. You see... He will always emphasize the pleasures. So even if we know it's wrong, it becomes hard to resist. For instance, he'll emphasize the pleasures of drinking, but he won't talk about the the poor judgment that will occur or even the alcoholism that may occur. He'll emphasize the pleasures of sex outside of marriage, but he won't emphasize the results of broken hearts, broken lives, and even disease and AIDS. He'll emphasize the pleasures and excitement of an illicit affair, but not the broken marriage and the destruction of the family. You see, the devil will always attack attack the truthfulness of God and God's motives, so we will begin to doubt God himself. The devil does his best work when he gets us to think that God is the one that's lying. And that's when we're most likely to make the wrong choice. There's a writer named Henry Morris, and he said, Sin always begins by questioning either the word of God or the goodness of God, or both. Listen, we have to decide what is true, what to believe, what God says, or what we hear from someone else or somewhere else. Of course, we have to know what God's word says, but once we do, that's when we can face temptation, and we can put our trust in the truth of his word. Now, you may ask, why trust God? Well, let's look at our next verse, which is Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, and let's read this out loud together. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. He is not a human that he should change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God does not lie. God does not renege. God can be trusted. But when we fail to trust God's truth, there are consequences. Sin has its consequences, especially when we step outside of God's plan for our sex lives. Let's look at what happened to Adam and Eve. When they decided not to trust God, everything changed. Immediately after eating the forbidden fruit, they felt shame for the very first time, and they hid their bodies from each other. So immediately their relationship changed. Then they felt fear for the first time, and they hid from God. So the relationship between them and God changed. And then, as we all know, the relationship between them and the garden changed because they were expelled. They were removed from paradise. And from then on, they had to slave and toil for their food. Childbirth became extremely painful and death became a reality. Everything changed for the worse. When we fail to trust God, we also suffer consequences. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. He says, Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. What are the consequences of decay and death? 
Well, we know a lot of the physical consequences like disease, but there are serious spiritual, emotional, and relational consequences when we act apart from God's plan from our sex lives. Like Adam and Eve, it separates us from God and it also damages our relationships with each other. Look, there is always more at stake when it comes to temptation than what we hear or what we're led to believe. We have to remember every time there are three big things at stake, our future, our family, and our faith. Listen, people get hurt severely when they think it's only about them. I'll do this one thing and it'll only affect me. It's not true. There are serious consequences to giving into sexual temptation. There are serious consequences if you decide to have sex before you're married. There are serious consequences if you decide to have an illicit affair. There are serious consequences if you decide to let pornography into your mind. And these consequences will spoil your future, your faith, and your family. But let's look at the last part of Galatians chapter 8, the the end of uh, verse 8 of chapter 6. It says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. We must decide to please God. And nothing pleases God more than when we put our trust in Him. That's why we must choose to trust God. We must choose to trust God's Word. We must choose to trust in the truth. God can be trusted. So to overcome temptation, number one, I have to choose godly influencers. Number two, I have to choose to trust God. And then finally, number three, I have to choose God's best. I have to choose God's best. You see, in our story, Adam and Eve are in a lot of trouble right now because, number one, they, they didn't choose godly influencers. Instead, they're, they're chumming around, hanging around with, with Satan in the Garden of Eden, and he's whispering in their ear to disobey God. So that's one strike against them. And then, and then also, not only do they have him in their life, but they're hanging around the temptation that they know they shouldn't be hanging around with. And so they're, they're letting images come into their mind that's tempting them to act on that. And then number two, the second mistake they make is they don't trust God. Satan comes in their life and begins to whisper lies into, into their ear. And, it, you know, it's like us listening to what other people say, listening to what the media says, listening to what movies tell us when it comes to sex. And they begin to believe Satan instead of God. So they got two strikes against them. And let me tell you, if you're in this situation and you have bad influencers in your life and, and you don't believe God, you believe other people, well, then you're going to fall to temptation. There's no way around it. But even if you do, number one and number two right, you have good influencers and you believe God, you can still fall to temptation. You still have to choose wisely because temptation never goes away. And that means taking personal responsibility for our actions and for the decisions that we make. You see, too often we try to play what's called the blame game. And we try to, we'll do anything to justify our actions. We'll say, well, everyone else does it. Or I couldn't help myself. Or I'm addicted to it. Or, you know, it's this person's fault, not my fault. And we'll play the blame game. We'll justify what we've done. But the problem is it didn't work for Adam and Eve and it doesn't work for us. Look, look at what happens with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. And this is after, after they've eaten of the fruit they weren't supposed to. God confronts them in the garden. And uh, this is what Adam says. Adam says, It was the woman you gave me who brought me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, How could you, uh, asked the woman, How could you do such a thing? 
The serpent tricked me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Now, I want you to get this. We can justify anything. God comes and the first thing he does is ask Adam. And I imagine Eve was afraid and was thinking, well, maybe, you know, Adam will be valiant and he'll stand up for me. What, what does Adam do? He says, she did it. She's the one that gave it to me. And I imagine he sees this look on God's face and says, I'm not buying that. And then he blames God. Did you notice that? He says, it's the woman that you gave me. She tempted me with the fruit, but you put her in my life. So this is everybody's fault but my own. It's Eve's fault, it's your fault. And so God turns to Eve, and what does she say? It's not my fault. This serpent tricked me. He, he was cunning. He, he messed me up. And so they tried to pass the blame along. But the problem is, justification never removes the consequences of stepping outside of God's will. It, it, no matter how you justify what you've done, it doesn't remove the shame. It doesn't remove the guilt. It doesn't remove the emptiness or the brokenness or the broken relationships that result from stepping outside of God's will. Ultimately, we have to carry on our shoulders the consequences for stepping outside of God's will, for falling to temptation. You see, in every temptation we face, in every decision in life, there are ultimately two options. We're either choosing God's best or we're settling for something less. We're either taking hold of God's best or we're settling for something less in our life. Proverbs says it this way, Proverbs fourteen twelve. There's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. You see, there's a path that looks so good. It looks so fresh and delicious. And it seems like everyone else is going down that path and people are whispering in your ear, you ought to go down that path too. You ought to take hold of the fruit. There are no consequences. It's okay. And listen, nobody believes the Bible anymore anyway. Nobody is following God. But the Bible says if it's not God's way, it's a path to death. It's leading you to death. We have to choose either the path to instant gratification or God's path to true gratification. You see, in God's eyes, it's not about denying us pleasure. God wants us to enjoy sex in our life. God wants us to have the most pleasurable lives that we can have. But for God, he understands it's it's not instant gratification, it's delayed gratification. You see, choosing to delay gratification for the greater reward is a sign of maturity. For instance, if if you have an infant, a a newborn baby, and and you're on the subway with this infant, and this this infant wants, is hungry and wants to eat now and starts crying. You can't reason with the infant. You can't say, you know, it wouldn't work uh, to feed now. You've got to wait till we get home. It'll be better for you. Trust me, it'll be better for us. You'll, you'll have greater rewards if you wait. You can try to reason with the infant, but what are they going to do? They're going to cry. They want it now. They don't want to wait. They want it now. But as we mature, as we grow up, And you're not born with this, but as you mature into it, you develop the ability to say no now in order to experience something better later on. It's a sign of maturity when I give up the small benefit now for the greater reward later on. You see, delayed gratification is multiplied gratification. See, that's the decision that you and I have every time that we stand face-to-face with sexual temptation. We can either say yes to immediate gratification, and when we do, we put our future, we put our family, and we put our faith on the line. We put them at risk when we say yes to instant gratification. Or we can say yes to God and experience His best for our life, for our relationships, and for our sex life. The next time you're standing face-to-face with sexual temptation... I want you to say this to the temptation out loud. When when that temptation comes up and you fall into it over and over again or you're about to fall to it for the first time, I want you to say this out loud. I want you to say, temptation, address temptation. Call it temptation. Say, temptation, 
you will not take my future. You will not take my family. You will not take my faith. Temptation, you will not take my future. You will not take my family. You will not take my faith. I want you to say this out loud with me. I want you to repeat what I, what I say. Temptation, you will not take my future. You will not take my family. You will not take my faith. Once more, temptation. You will not take my future. You will not take my family. And you will not take my faith. The Bible says that when we take that step and we step forward and we say this and we're fighting temptation and we're trying to honor God, the Bible says that God will step into that situation and he will give us the strength we need to overcome that temptation. But we have to choose to trust God. We have to choose God's best. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Father, you know that we face temptation every day of our lives. We face this temptation uh, in the sexual area of our life. The temptation to step, step outside of your will, whether it's, whether it's to, to have sex uh, in a dating relationship, to have a one-night stand, uh, to commit adultery, to get involved in, in pornography and the addiction involved there. We're tempted every day. And God, when we're tempted, we're risking our future, our family, and our faith. We're putting those at risk and on the line. Father, today... We pray that you will give us the discipline to bring positive influencers into our lives. Give us the wisdom to trust that what you say in the Bible is true and is best for our life and the courage to choose what you say is best for our our life in every situation when we face any temptation. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us to overcome and emerge victorious against temptation with a stronger future with a stronger family, and with a stronger faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you have enjoyed this message. To subscribe to future podcasts, visit journeyipod.com or find us on iTunes. This podcast is only a part of what you can experience at The Journey. From great music to making friends to getting involved, there is much more for you to experience by joining us live on Sundays at 10 a.m., 11.30 a.m., 1 p.m., or 7 p.m. at the Manhattan Center's Grand Ballroom on West 34th Street between 8th and 9th Avenues. Visit nyjourney.com for more information. If you would like to support the ministry of the journey, you can give online at nyjourney.com forward slash giving. If you have questions about this podcast or the journey church, please email Pastor Chris Brady at chris at nyjourney.com. Thanks again for listening and we hope to see you on Sunday.